Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, The Adventures of Jerry Lewis, number 96. Cover date, September, October 1966. Cover price, 12 cents. Cover artist, Bob Oxner and Irish Knapp. Edited by Murray Boltonoff. Featuring The Double Feature Creature. Written by Arnold Drake. Art by Bob Oxner. Colors by Tom Nicolosi. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go, go. Once I believed that when love came to me, it would come with rockets, bells, and Dr. Quirk invents a device that can bring two-dimensional pictures to three-dimensional life. What could go wrong? Find out in a minute with me and Dr. Husband when we explain everything. Well, yes. this cat is a booze hound. What do you mean? Every time I put this cocktail down, he comes to over here to stick his face into it. Well, he's in the right house. I'll say. He's a little young to be drinking, though. Yes, he he's just a little, little kitten. He's so tiny. He's so precious. Well, he's not so precious when he scratches at my leg like it's a scratching post. Why does he do that? Because I'm sitting here and I don't know. I bought this very expensive cat tower. Which we put together. To, yes, and that's where he should be doing his scratching, not on my leg. Oh, that's true. He's going to lose me if he keeps it up. How He doesn't ever scratch my leg. I don't understand what... That, because you're the mean one. He knows that you backhand him. <laughs> I'm the nice one. I let everybody walk all over me. I know. It's well known throughout the country. Uh, uh, I'm the mean one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how's your week been? It's been good. It's yeah. been really good. You've yeah. been very busy. I've barely seen you. I am. I would be lying to you if I told you I would, I'm not tired. I and listener, I shot down a cup of coffee right before this because I needed it. You um, sure did. So get ready, America. Yes, yes. And now I'm chasing that with a cocktail. 
That'll even things out. Mm-hmm. It's like when people drink the uh, Red Bull and the Red Bull and vodka. I yeah. can't imagine how awful that must be. No, it mm-hmm. sounds terrible. I'll mm-hmm. just take vodka, please. Right, and suffer the consequences. Well, here we are with the Adventures of Jerry Lewis, number ninety-six. It's America's funniest comic mag. I beg to differ. I'll be the judge of that. Also, mm-hmm. we are going to uh, be witness to one thousand and one chuckles and shocks. Now, is that 1,001 of each, 1,001 chuckles and 1,001 shocks, or is that combined? Like when you have uh, combined PTO and sick leave in one pot. Yeah. Oh, God. What? <laughs> Just like PTO. I was like, <laughs> all right, go ahead. 1,001 chuckles and shocks in. Jerry um, Lewis. Oh, uh, what's, what's the What's the title? Oh, I see. Okay, 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 okay. Jerry Lewis, 1001 Chuckles and Shocks in The, the Double Feature Creature. I have to say, just as you were saying that, yeah. my attention went to the side because someone, for the first time since he was brought into this house, used my leg as a scratching post. I was <laughs> like, what is that? I think that's, that's why I was uh, I distracted. am uh, avenged. You are. Uh I never noticed before, I guess this has been in on every cover of Jerry Lewis, that his what? head is floating up there in the corner and it looks like he's just picked a booger out of his nose and is eating it. <laughs> That's so true. He's such and a it, comedian. And his eyes are crossed upwards like it's, oh, it's so tasty. Well, that was kind of his thing, thing. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Jerry Lewis in The Double Feature Creature or... <laughs> this is a nice game. Oh, is, are you on the splash page? Yeah. Okay. A Midsummer Night's Scream. Uh, as you may recall. Uh, is he camp counselor? Jerry Lewis is the camp counselor at the girls' camp, Camp Carefree. That's mm-hmm. with a K, Camp Carefree. I have to tell you. Yes. No idea whatsoever what was going on in this comic. Like when when I did not remember that he was a camp counselor at a camp. I didn't know who the girl with the gun was. Yeah, so I uh, was like, "What the hell?" Longtime listeners will recall that Jerry Lewis has a uh, witch maid Uh named Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Uh, She has a niece Zanyaya, who is uh, a camper. She's a camper here at Camp Carefree. Yeah. Jerry magical Lewis, powers, doesn't yes. she? Only, she can only have magical powers over things beginning with A, B, or C. Is that true? Or is it just this issue? I I, I mean, is that a long-standing thing? Is that canon for her? Ooh, I look like how you said canon. I don't know. I think she only appeared for the first time in the previous issue. Oh, okay. So. All right. Uh, Jerry Lewis also has a nephew, Renfrew, who is a camper at the neighboring camp across the lake. Camp Wackaboy, Wackaboy, which is a sadomasochistic Nazi prison camp. Yeah, it's awful, with lots of really strange homoerotic. Uh, oh yeah, uh, undertones. Yeah, yeah, overtones, undertones. Under, Under- well, they're pretty overt. Yeah, <laughs> from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, story by Arnold Drake, art by Bob Oxner, as we saw in last week's Bob Hope, and we also get a. Uh, Credit for the letterer and the colorist, Tom in, Nicolosi. Yes. Just like in Bob Hope last week. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Uh, so we open with Zanyaya. I don't know if you pronounce the Zania or Zanya. Zanya? 
I don't know. It was one of the first times I fell asleep when I was watching this. Uh huh. <laughs> I was trying to trying to figure out her name. I was going, Zanya, Zanya. Uh, she's learning to fire a gun while Jerry Lewis is picking flowers. Uh, and she manages to ricochet this bullet all around the camp and hit Jerry Lewis right in the ass. <laughs> yes. That's not hilarious. Now, she's aiming at a target, right? Initially? She's aiming at a crow because she can have magic powers over everything beginning with an A, B, or C. But it turns out it's not a crow, it's a hawk. Which would be not something you could hunt. Doesn't start with an A, B, or C. No. No. Also, yes, you shouldn't hunt hawks because they uh, cut down on predators, don't they? Not predators, but Uh, uh, vermin. vermin. No, the hawk actually would be the predator in that situation. I understood what you meant. Thank you. I had a cup of coffee. I'm right ahead of you. So uh, what would you do if you got shot in the ass with an air rifle? Well, I'd go see my witch. You'd go see your witch and <laughs> stick your ass in her face. Right? Looks like you wanted her to, him, her to scratch the small of his back like a kitty. Yeah. You know? Well, she can't find the bullet, but here she comes with a giant, comically giant magnet. And I'm going to assume that all those products that she's pulling with the giant magnet are coming from his pockets. I'm hoping it's coming from his <laughs> pockets, not from, not like the time I made change in the shower. <laughs> Listener... You've told this story before. I've probably told this story before, but we may have a new listener that wants to hear it for the first time. Indeed, We lived in Miami for a couple of years, and as you may know, it's famously hot Hot. and sweaty all the time there. Yeah. So I had a pair of cut-off jean shorts, which I was wearing about town, and unbeknownst (laughs) to me, it had a hole in the pocket. And these were in the days when I still carried cash. So I... Uh, got into the shower yes. one afternoon and started showering. And all of a sudden I heard this clinking on the bottom of the tub. Indeed. And I looked down and there was a shiny new dime. <laughs> well, I didn't, I don't know why I didn't think anything of it, but I just continued showering. <laughs> then I heard another couple of clinks and here comes a nickel and a quarter. <laughs> Finally, there was about 75 cents of assorted coins laying on the bottom of the shower. Well, it's because it's so hot and sweaty, they'd all gone out the hole in my pocket and stuck to the side of my generous thigh. (laughs) Generous thigh. Until they were loosened by the hot water and fell upon the ground. I love that story. You making change in the shower. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, it took me a long time to discover. I'm not. I'm no Nancy Drew. I couldn't figure out where they come from. I thought they were just apparated out of thin air. Oh God! What does Jerry Lewis have in his pocket? A can of cola, a can of sardines, a can opener, uh, a specifically a can of sardines packed in maple syrup. Oh my God! I'd eat that. A can opener, a pocket knife. Yes, a uh, harmonica challenge coin from Batman and Robin. Is that what it is? A chap, a challenge coin. That's what it looks like. And a uh, harmonica. He's a charter member of the Batman and Robin yeah. Society. Pocket knife, harmonica. Mm-hmm. Yep, that all checks out. Yeah. And then he goes and sits on a hemorrhoid pillow, <laughs> which is hanging from a tree. No, it's not a hemorrhoid. It's a tire pillow. swing. It's, a tire but swing. It, it's meant to evoke. Yes. A hemorrhoid pillow. Yes. That. I bats. Uh, meanwhile, over at Camp Whack-A-Boy, where the boys are all chained 
to their beds and all have just a hollow, deathly look to their eyes. These poor kids. Yeah. I don't understand why Jerry, Jerry knows his nephew's in this camp, why he won't let do anything about it. Well, his nephew is awful. First of all, he deserves every bad thing that happens to him. But not this poor little boy that's having heart palpitations. And what and, happens if they have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? They're kids. They might they, have to go to the bathroom. Nope, they just go right there. Right there in their bed. sheets, I'm yeah. sure. Oh, it's awful. Actually, it doesn't look like they have any sheets at all. No, those are the red things that are been thrown about. Oh, okay. Um, so here comes uh, the turnkey to unlock the children from their shackles, which they've been sleeping at. Right. With. Um. Well, now maybe Jerry doesn't know because Renfrew says, wait till Uncle Jerry asks how come my left ankle is red since <laughs> I've been chained to the bed all night. Yeah, because they have to remove his shackles with a blowtorch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they assemble on the field. Uh, There's barbed wire. Barbed wire. And barking gun dogs tower. and yep. gun tower. And a cemetery right there. This <laughs> is a rest Behind period the boys. Yeah. Uh, Camp Whack-A-Boy, where hearts are young and get gray. <laughs> yeah, the, the reason the gay overtones uh, that we mentioned, the, the camp counselor, he looks like some sort of strange, bizarre... He looks like Colonel Clink from Hogan's Heroes in uh, short shorts. Short shorts. And... Gloves, gloves and, and boots, just like some boots. strange fetishy sort of kind of. Like if the village people had a Nazi, yeah, in it. perfect. Yeah, thank you. That's what it looks like. Yeah. So uh, they are going to begin their day with a fast trot around the camp to work up an appetite. Renfrew has no shortage of sassy comebacks. No, he sure doesn't. Mm-hmm. He also isn't wearing a standard regulation uniform mm-hmm. of the camp boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so off they go. Meanwhile, back at the girls' camp, Jerry is expecting some trouble, some mischief from the girls. He's been tricked before. So he's inspecting their cabins, and he expects that they've balanced a pail of water above the door jam. So he that, comes into the door yeah. with an umbrella. A umbrella. umbrella. Costly umbrella. And what do you think? These girls have cleaned up their cabin. They haven't done anything wrong. They've even written a little song for Uncle Jerry. Uh-huh. Inspect our floors, inspect our beds, inspect our trunks and shelves. We've washed the windows, mopped the floors, we've even cleaned ourselves. And they have little magical... I just wrote that song at the top of my when head. You're just... You're, you're brilliant. I'm Honestly. practically Mozart. You're, <laughs> Mozart age six. Right, right. To be clear. Okay, so um, they, they're all just delightful. Oh, oh, get up here, you. Um, all just delightful. Yeah. Um, Jerry's trying to find something wrong so he can punish them. He does climb up to the rafters because he's sure he's going to find filth up there. And yep. he si- sees a sign. And it says, nice and clean, Uncle Jerry. Signed the girls. Signed the girls. Now, these girls are buttering him up for some reason. What do you think that reason is? They want to go to the drive-in theater. Yes. There's a horror double feature playing at the drive-in. And uh, Jerry agrees to take the gals to the drive-in. Indeed. Now, he also heads over to Camp Wackaboy 
to offer to also take the boys to the movies. Right. Uh, and um, the camp council, I don't know what his name is. I don't either. I'm sure <clears throat> he has one. I probably could find it if I cared enough. He's feeding his piranhas raw meat. Yep. Yeah, he's got a steak or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also whipping the piranhas with a cat of nine tails. Well, that's not going to go very well. He's going to get bitten, which yes. he does. Um, and he's got a long cigarette holder like Tallulah Bankhead herself. Yeah. And his mannerisms and just his angles and yeah, such. Just, He's, you know, yeah. definitely gay. Yeah. Meanwhile, just to confuse things even further. He's a homosexual. Uh, we head over to the uh, laboratory of Dr. Thaddeus Quirk, a nearby mad scientist who's got a this, laboratory assistant, Mungo. This story is so bizarre, right? Yes. It really, really is. Dr. Quirk has invented a gun that can turn a two-dimensional photograph into a three-dimensional object. And bring it to life if bring needed. Bring it to life out of the page. Yes. Which he demonstrates on a picture of a salami. So he there's a, there's a, a newspaper advertisement yes. with a salami. He yes. aims his ray at it, and it becomes a salami that can be eaten. Yes. That has taste and everything. Yes, and then he does the same thing with an ice cream soda. Yeah. That would be a great job to have. You just sit around and have food appear in front of you from your boss. I don't know. They still have conflict in Star Trek. And they're always making things appear out of nowhere. That's true. Uh, Mungo, who looks disgusting, let's not pussyfoot around about it. Yeah, he looks like um, one of those pinhead. They've got characters. a giant uh, pinup calendar girl, life size, which uh, Mungo is begging his boss to turn into three dimensions. Well, he doesn't take the bait. No. Yet. Now, Dr. Quirk decides to also go to the drive-in because it's uh, a double feature called Bride of the Beach Blanket Beast. And? And the flesh eaters meet the meatheads. So he figured he could use his 3D gizmo there. Yeah. Now, this 3D gizmo is the actual scientific name for what he describes as an interdimensional time-space continuum rematerializer. Uh-huh. Which he calls a the 3D, 3D gizmo. gizmo. Uh, imagine with a giant screen of the drive-in, I'll be able to create a 60-foot Kirk Douglas. I don't think Kirk Douglas is starring in either one of these films. <laughs> He's already made Spartacus by this point. 60-foot <laughs> Kirk Douglas. He's not going to be in something called The Flesh Eaters and, Meet the Meatheads. And then this is bizarre. I mean, it's, it's, uh, these, these writers must have had a little inside joke, right? Because the, the scientist wants to create a 60-foot Kirk Douglas, and his idiot uh, helper says... Personally, Doc, I would prefer a 10-foot, no, 10 6-foot tall Elizabeth Taylors. But uh, there is never no point in arguing politics or religion. 10 Liz Taylors? No thanks. Not enough Tiffany Diamonds it's in the world to cover her. most unusual day. Part 2. The Massacre at Fort Drive-In. So Jerry's headed out with the gals in the Camp Carefree bus. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, 
the boys of Camp Wackaboy are wheeled out to the drive-in <laughs> in a cage, like a like a circus a cage, a circus car cage. Yeah, with signs all about saying "Do not feed the campers." <laughs> Danger! Achtung! Inmates of Camp Wackaboy. Now, these boys are hungry. Mm-hmm. We've already established that. The advertisement comes on the screen. Let's go out to the lobby, lobby and get ourselves a treat. Uh, the boys go mad with the hunger and rage, and they break out of the cage car. Indeed, they do, and they head towards the uh, concession stand, which yes. looks like a blast, doesn't it? It's a very nice design. Mm-hmm. Um, egg rolls. They sell egg rolls and pizza and ice cream and coffee and hot dogs and soda. All convenient foods, which are full of calories and all of which I would... Glad, gladly have it a drive-in I theater. I could go down on an egg roll right now. <laughs> that. That's an unfortunate phrase. Uh, especially given this it. comic. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, a food fight ensues uh, yeah. betwixt the boys and the concession workers who are all <laughs> dressed in crisp paper hats. These poor kids, they should just grab the food that's being thrown at them. The poor kids, the concession workers, you know they're not making more than minimum wage, which in 1966 was what? Five cents an hour? I don't know. Uh, No, probably it was the same, exact same that it is now. Uh, (laughs) The boys are fighting, fighting, fighting. Well, here comes witchcraft, as you recall, as Jerry Lewis's maid and her niece goes to camp carefree. Right. And witchcraft is no fan of Renfrew. Not at all. So the boys beat it. Where do they go? They go, I mean, they go back to their cage, right? I don't know or care. Uh, now, Dr. Quirk has also arrived at the drive-in mm-hmm. to see the beginning of the movie. I'm assuming this is the Beach Blanket uh, Beast right. movie because it's uh, two lovers on the beach. With a monster rising out of the sea. And Dr. Quirk, well, first Mungo has the gun, and he uh, sees a gal in the neighboring car who's (laughs) fishing an ice cream cone out of a box. Apparently they sell ice cream cones in boxes now. Well, then, back then. I'm pretty sure they didn't, even then. Okay. My brother was a soda jerk at Coulter's Drugstore, and I never saw an ice cream cone come in a box. Yeah, but you know, they would box up a lot of uh, things in private theaters. Ice cream in a box. Sure I you mean, can. You can, but not. You could freeze it and stick it in a box. You can freeze it and stick it in a box, but you can't have hand it to someone in their car in the hot sun of the summer at a drive-in. <laughs> Fine. You know what they needed. What? A picture of something. That's why they did it. Yes, yes. There's a picture on the box of a giant ice cream cone. And, of course, the ice cream cone inside is not living up to the picture. She's disappointed. And so what's the uh, idiot? Mongo. Uh, Mongo um, points the ray gun at the box of ice cream uh-huh. and creates a giant ice cream cone for her. Meanwhile, witchcraft is chasing Renfrew all over the drive. And they're hopping on top of cars and whatnot. Renfrew leaps onto Mungo's head, making the gun go haywire and aim at the movie screen. At the monster. At the moment that the giant monster is rising out of the sea, and so it pops out of the screen and attacks the populace. Which is really exciting. I love this bottom panel, by the way. 
Oh, when the uh, car is being picked up by the monster. By the monster, and they don't realize it. Like, there's a mother in the front seat. She's got her hair in curlers, and she is shoving a sandwich into her face. Like, she's got, like, I don't know what, a six-inch hoagie? Hoagie, yeah. Shoving it into her face. She's got a cup of hot coffee. You know how much I like sandwiches and coffee. Yeah. I just love the idea of sandwiches. Sure. The kids are screaming because their, uh, their, their drink and their popcorn fell out of the car. Yeah. The father's in the back seat. Bottle feeding the baby because his wife... Bottle uh, feeding the baby. They've brought an infant to the drive-in. Are you kidding? That That's where I saw The Exorcist. I know. When I was like three. Were you still on a bottle? No, but I mean, people bring their kids to, to, to the drive-in. And if they were under a certain age, they'd get in free because, you know, they fall asleep in the car. Um, we didn't have drive-in culture when I was growing up. You didn't? No. Oh. Um, I don't even know if there was a drive-in around, except when we would go to my great-uncle Bob's house up on the farm in Middle Point, Ohio, uh-huh. where the Vandell drive-in oh, was. The Vandell because drive-in. Because it was halfway in between Van Wert and Delphus. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's still there, still in operation. Is it really? Sure. Oh, wouldn't that be fun to go some, see a drive-in well, we can movie go see Vandell. it anytime you want to. Yeah. All we have to do is drive to Middle Point. Um, so... I don't know that I would take an infant to the drive-in, though. You wouldn't? I mean, maybe... They'd fall asleep at night. In the 60s when you didn't have endless entertainment on television. No, they didn't even have malls to go to. The the town center shut down at night. You know, they might have restaurants and juke joints to go to, but they didn't have the kind of... Well, you can't take a baby to a juke joint. Well, they didn't have the kind of uh, 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 diversions that we have. So taking your kid to the drive-in theater... They, you'd go see a double feature, right? Yep, the yep. kid would fall asleep after the first movie, yep. and you'd see the second movie. But of course, also, my, mom, my, my mom always took us, well, my mom and stepdad always took us to see horror movies, so I wouldn't fall asleep because I was absolutely convinced that I was going to die. Right. That's why, why would you bring these young, young children to a horror double feature? Uh, because they're probably irresponsible parents. Look at her. She is shoving that hoagie into her mouth. Again, the evidence is right on the page. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right, all right, all right. Uh, fearful of the monster, Jerry shuffles the girls back into their bus mm-hmm. to escape. They walk right over him and knock him out. Knock him out cold. Right. So the girls are safe, but Jerry's left behind, and now he's being attacked by the monster. Right. <sighs> Poor Jerry. Yeah, he runs straight at the screen, dives through. Right. Um, and then suddenly the monster disappears. Yeah. Because? You know why? Because there's a fatal flaw in this 3D gizmo. Yes. The effects only last for three minutes, and then the subject vanishes. Uh, in fairness, this monster did a lot of damage in three minutes. It sure did. Mm-hmm. Now, Renfrew has been left behind. He sees all of this. He hears about the flaw in 3D gizmo. Right. And later... Back at Camp Wackaboy, he pulls a little Julie Taymor action on oh, some large Julie scale, Taymor. nice large scale puppetry. puppetry. They've created a scale model puppet mm-hmm. of the monster. Right. Did you know that the Audrey Two in Little Shop Fours was a puppet? Yes. And it took 24 people to operate. No, I didn't know it took 24 people. And they filmed it at 12 frames per minute or second. 12 frames per second. And then they had to speed it up to 24 frames per second to make it look 
realistic. Oh, wow. Which means that Rick Moranis, when he was interacting with the puppet, had a pre-recorded soundtrack and he had to act at half speed and lip sync. What? I'd never have known that if I hadn't read it on the internet half, this Half week. speed, so they'd be singing slowly. They'd and, be singing slowly, and yes. he would have to interact at half speed with the puppet. Wow. Right? That's brilliant. I know. We don't talk enough about Rick Moranis. No. He's no. retired now, bless his no. heart, but I think they're coming back with another Honey, I Shrunk the something movie you're kidding no well i want to see that christmas movie that new christmas movie christmas story oh it didn't get a good review Ouch. so oh but we'll watch it anyway okay a christmas story 2022 is what it was referring with ralphie the original cast of christmas story so i made a, a reference the other day to my to my students um to something of course that I, they wouldn't know and i was talking about syllables and i was talking about diction and phonics and stuff like that and i said well there used to be a show on television when i was a kid of course it was never you know it wasn't on when you guys were kids where some there'd be two faces on each side of the screen and they'd say things like um puh at Pat, do 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 do. Ma, at, cat, do 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 do. So Morgan Freeman and Rita Moreno. I said it was on the show, The Electric Company, right? And I told him about what The Electric Company was, right? Yeah. So then that's just on like Tuesday that I told him this. So we're going, we're reviewing on Thursday. Yeah. Just sort of like this is what we did the last session. This is what we're going to do today. And I was talking about vowels and consonants and whatever. And I said. I'll give extra credit to anyone who can tell me the television show that I referenced in the last class. And one of, of course, your brilliant tenor student goes, the electric company? I said, what? He said, yes, the electric company, right? I said, and I went over with my marker and I, he was taking notes on it. One of his paper, and I wrote A plus, 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 plus across his notes. <laughs> God, I can't remember the theme song. Gonna ta- 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 oh, we're gonna turn you on. Gonna, we're gonna, gonna give you the power. White people won't like us. The electric company. Yeah. Fantastic. Great show. Hey, you guys! Back at Camp Carefree, where sweetness and harmony prevail as always. Somehow, Witch Hazel has been put in charge uh, because it's parents' weekend, and all the parents are coming, and these girls are dressed like ragamuffins. They're all dirty. (laughs) They really are. And Witch Hazel's put the fear of God into them. Not only that, she brings an eagle to life off the flagpole and carries one of them off. Yeah. So uh, the girls, by magic of witchcraft, they get all cleaned up, shiny new, and here come the parents who are so impressed with Jerry Lewis. Mm-hmm. You've done wonders with our little girls. You know, I love that look. What that look? look he's wearing, that like black sweater or black. I love the look of jeans, a black or just solid colored sweatshirt and a white dress shirt underneath. And then the dress shirt's untucked, so it comes out underneath. I love that look. Wouldn't you marry it if you love it so much? Oh, I just used to, I I used to wear to that. tell you something. What? Tell me. So this is drawn by Bob Oxner. Uh-huh. The artwork's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, so this issue is written by Arnold Drake, so this is not Arnold Drake that we're talking about, but apparently there was a writer of Jerry Lewis Comics mm-hmm. who wasn't really writing. Bob Oxner was writing the stories. Okay. But the editor came to him and said, listen, can you just uh, 
can we just pay this other writer for butler what the heck are you growling at don't bother that kitten um so they were just paying this other writer to be the quote-unquote writer while bob oxner was doing all the work wow right did Bob get paid anything for it? Well, he got paid for the artwork, but okay. not for the writing. Wow. And yeah. nor the credit, neither. No. The cat is here in the room with us, and there's a gate across the door, and the dog is outside the gate. And so he's whining and whining because he wants to get in here and attack this kitten. They're having he's a staring not contest. Gonna. Right. Wait till you get older. Now, the talented little urchins of Camp Carefree mm-hmm. are going to put on. A Shakespearean play for their parents. Yes. Who doesn't love that? Romeo and Juliet. Dear parents and guests of beloved Camp Carefree. Today our dramatic group presents the famed balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. Let Let the the play play begin. So, Zanya, of course, is playing Juliet. Of course. And now we have a whole three-page sequence of fat shaming, this poor little girl <laughs> who's playing <laughs> Romeo. It's true. Uh, I, and it's so weird because apparently they don't know how to build a simple flat. Right. You know, they've got to have these girls holding ropes in the back to hold, mm-hmm. help hold the flat mm-hmm. up. It looks like it's engineered just fine. I don't understand why they have to hold it up like that. Maybe the wind's blowing. Maybe. Uh, well, they don't have any uh, metal weights down there on the. True, places. and the the fat shaming girl is climbing up on the other side, so they're pulling. Right. Yes. Remember when we were in college and uh, they built a set, a revolving uh, <laughs> platform. F word! Oh my God! Yes. Which, uh, okay. Imagine this: like it was a lot of work. And we had to stop in the middle of the, like, we had, during intermission, we had to go out on the stage and pull the walls away, uh-huh. pivot the midsection one, uh, 180 degrees, yes. and put the brakes back on the set. Yes. Uh, it was Don Giovanni was the production. Yes. And when they revolved the set around, it looked exactly the same on the flip side as it looked on the Previous side. As a matter of fact, exactly the same. Well, the only difference was that the stairs were 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 different, mm, but okay. only slightly different. Like right. Like, but it was painted. The interior of the house or the of the stone house looked exactly like the exterior. And do you remember what was hanging on above the doorway? A goat head. Right. So when they f- there was a goat head hanging on the outside of the doorway. Yeah. So when they flipped it around, <laughs> we were instructed to take the goat head from the one side and bring it in and look exactly like the other side. And one of our friends who was watching laughed so hard because they said they said to the person there with, uh, now, if they take that goat head from the outside and turn around and bring it on the inside, I'm going to fucking lose it. And they exactly what they did. Uh because that, there was no, there was no reason to make the 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 the, the, the have the darn thing pivot. Um, the same production has become uh, enshrined in legend and memory, and this is one hundred percent true. The freshman boys in the chorus, <clears throat> uh, the same person who designed the set, <laughs> had also uh, created some props to act as torches. 
Yes. So uh, the way. So uh, now, now we are in a historic theater, historic all wooden theater, wooden theater, right? So one thing. Now I'm not a you know a genius uh, um, uh, director, right? Um, but I've done I've done a few little bit of directing on the stage, and even I, as an infant, knew <laughs> that you if you're going to make torches on the stage, like torch bearers on the stage, yeah. mm-hmm. you don't actually take a stick. And then take a can and paint it black and and screw this can to the Not stick. Not a can. A can no, no, of no, 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 sterno. No, 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 no. A, a, an aluminum can, you know, empty it out, clean it out, screw it to the stick, and then take a can of sterno, a can of sterno. and just rest it inside the can right. uh-huh. and light it. Light it on fire. So that as you're, as you're holding it, you can jiggle the can of sterno fluid yeah. around inside, right? Also, you know what else you can do if you're a freshman boy? You can sword, sword fight, fight with, with the, the live... Fire of Sterno. So, uh, so we're in this production. We're backstage. The boys are sword fighting with the lit cans of Sterno in this historic theater. In a historic wooden theater. Yes. Uh, as you might imagine, the lit Sterno slops out of the can and lands on the floor and sets the floor on fire. And because it's Sterno fluid, it hits the floor and bursts. And starts spreading. Well, uh, Dr. Rob Tudor, portraying the role of Don Giovanni, the leading role. Oh, by the way, they're trying to stomp out the flames. And as they're stomping it out, of course, they're just stomping on fuel and spreading. Everything's catching on fire. Right. Uh, Dr. Rob Tudor removes his cloak. Mm Mm-hmm. Whips it around. Whips it around. Puts, puts out the, the flame. fire. This is, mind you, all, all one movement. <laughs> cape off. Put out the flames. Put cape back on. Go Walks on, on the stage and starts singing. It's It was remarkable. You can't write that stuff. No. I mean, you'd have to practice it. I don't know. I was just, thank God I had the presence of mind to do that. Well, you're good in a crisis, aren't you? I, I try to be. Otherwise, we all would have been dead because that theater would have gone up in seconds. And no one would have known about this at all. Like, right. but everybody was like, don't you tell anyone. Don't, come on, I'm getting so much trouble. Don't say, don't say. So I was like, fine, I won't say a thing. It's fine. You guys learned your lesson, right? Yes, yes, yes. Please don't tell anybody. Okay, fine. Well, the next day. Our director comes up to me and says, would you mind telling me why your cloak has gigantic bleach spots all over it? And I (laughs) said to my director, because we had a fire backstage and I put it out with my cloak during the performance. He's like, what? I said, yes, what were you thinking? Live fire on stage. Yes, it really happened. Oh my gosh. Terrible. Legend. Legend. It listener, 100% true. Uh now, the parents are delighted. Zel, Zelba Zilberschmidt is the fat girl. Who's oh, the mother. Fat shame. Oh, is it, that's my daughter. That's my daughter. Yes. Zelba Zilberschmidt. She's playing Romeo. She's so talented. Her daughter is very talented. Uh, and also very fat, which we will not be able to forget because every character on panel is going to say something about it. Exactly. And so the woman sitting next to her says, oh, charming. Our little girl built the scenery. I'm assuming we're on Long Island or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then that same woman who says, our little girl built the scenery, she goes, I know a baby elephant who could play a better Romeo. Oh, bitch. And then the other one's like, 
Who'd she build the scenery with? A blind carpenter and a cross-eyed paint sprayer? They're talking to their, their significant others. Now, Zelda Zolderschmidt's up there on the balcony, and uh, the girls who are holding the scenery down on the backside decide to quit. Yeah. So the whole thing topples over onto the audience. Including the two women who are talking smack about the their mothers, kids. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Throwing shade, not talking yeah, shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry tries to deflect by drawing attention to their pet cow. And the pet rabbit. And the pet rabbit and the pony. Anyway, all of a sudden, here comes the monster. As you remember, it's a, a large-scale puppetry operated yes. by the boys of Camp Whack-A-Boy. Uh, Jerry doesn't know that it's a fake monster. He assumes it's the monster from the movies who has followed him here and he decides to fight back. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, he challenges the monster to a duel, but then immediately loses his noive and runs into the underbrush where he witnesses the, the altos. What? <laughs> He's in the underbrush. The altos. They're rehearsing. Oh, that's an obscure. Nobody's I'm so get sorry. That. Yeah, okay, you're right. Uh, the puppet comes apart because it's full of boys. And they all take their individual pieces and hop back to uh, Camp Wackaboy. Camp Wackaboy, while Jerry witnesses this. So now he sees that it's a puppet. Yes, and he believes the creature has not actually come to life. It's right. a puppet. So he grabs a canoe. He's going to race across the lake to surprise the boys uh, and get them uh, some kind of severe punishment that is doled out at Camp Wackaboy. I have to say, he's a hell of a paddler. Do you see how the, the, camp, yeah. the canoe is practically out of the water? Maybe that's because he's so far back in the canoe. Well, and you know, back in his prime, he was just a little fella. Yeah. yeah. Um, meanwhile, back at Dr. Quirk's laboratory, mm -hmm. he has discovered the weakness in his process. It's a simple fix. It's just thermal overcompensation and under-rectification by the main computer. He's so clever, isn't yes. he? Yes. So he's going to fix the gun. He's going to bring everything that has previously been brought to life out of a two-dimensional picture back to life, including the ice cream cone. Uh, the All your secrets is fin to be told, Mungo. You calendar girl, a seltzer bottle, oddly. And uh, what's that thing that just bounced off? Is that a roll of toilet paper? It looks like a e either, I mean, it looks like a paint roller, but yeah, there's no. Uh, Maybe it was a salami that didn't get colored in. Oh, the salami, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it's gone bad and turned white. Ooh. White mold. Ooh. Also, the monster back at the drive-in is back live, and apparently it speaks Shakespearean English. Dropped out of the sky and hits his butt. Uh, you know what? what? I have to tell you something. Yes. I, I was sort of mildly entertained, somewhat annoyed by this Jerry Lewis comic. Yeah. When I had to manage to get my way through the monster's stupid speech and then read the translation right. underneath it i said come on you've got to, when is this story going to be over i started scrolling ahead like as fast as possible just to say okay i only have to get through five or six more pages uh well here's a little bit of the monster's dialogue gadzooks what dastardly violet hath thus done me in would that i knew the villainous guise of that guileful knave then you read the translation I don't need to read the oh, translation. Yeah, I can understand Shakespeare in English. Let but his presence be made known to me. Then shall I grind his nescient soul to dry as dust. 
I like makes your reading. Makes perfect sense to me. I like me. that. Yeah. Well, you know, I took a Shakespeare course in grad school, so. You did not. Certainly I did. You did? You did too, didn't I you? I did not. I certainly did not. I remember that you bought that Shakespeare book, but I didn't. we were taking separate courses at the time. I bet you took it that year that I was on the boards. Well, it was part of the Maryland Opera Studio prescribed. Well, of course, you know, I didn't. I'll do all the Maryland Opera Studio classes. Oh, didn't you? No, I didn't, because I was gone for a year performing. Yes, he was on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Cruise director. Yeah. And oh, but entertainer, I know of course. When what? And entertainer, of, of course. Of course, yes, of course. But that's a story for another time. I'll say. All right, Jerry pops out of the underbrush because he sees the monster thinking it's the boys in the large-scale Julie Taymor puppet, and he attacks the monster with a vicious... Vigor and a tennis racket. And he said, take that. Bing, bing. Odds blood. blood. <laughs> Methinks this be the varlet to whom I'm vengeance drawn. Now shalt my cause, like twin bobkins, make short shrift of him. <laughs> I, I do love your creature voice. Thank you. Uh, Jerry still assumes this is Renfrew in disguise. And he demands that the monster take off his headgear. To which the monster responds, What says he? Couldst be there are the ravings of a deranged mind newly escaped from a nearby asylum? <laughs> so then he pulls on his hand nail. Yeah. <laughs> claw nail. Ye verily now shall I bring him to a gory end. I cannot bear even to coat mine eyes upon the bloody sight that shall ensue. Cast, Cast mine Cast eyes. My Sorry. Eyes. Uh, my Mine eyes are... Uh, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. <laughs> Meanwhile, down the road, the boys are cheering, thinking they have ruined Jerry Lewis's career. These boys deserve all the horrible things that happened to them. Except at this. just this poor boy that looks like he's been raised from the grave. <laughs> Frankenstein Jr.? Yeah. He's got a classic bowl cut. A classic bowl cut and one tooth. Oh, because, you know, he hasn't had any good nutrition here at no, Camp Wackaboy. kid. Um, the boys see Jerry fighting the monster and realize that it's actually the real monster, and they are alarmed. Indeed. Meanwhile, back at the laboratory, Mungo is cooking sausages over the Bunsen burners of the machine. I kind of at first thought this was like radioactive rods. I did too. Cooking his... Uh-huh. Hot dog. I, I thought, but I figured they maybe they're fuses. I don't know. It doesn't matter because he's dripping grease all over them, which is going to break them. Which is going to break them, and then everything's going to go back haywire. Everything that's been created by the three D gizmo is going to go poof. Uh, Jerry makes one last gambit to the monster, threatening to have all of his movies pulled from late night TV, and if anybody could do it, it'd be Jerry Lewis. <laughs> He wielded that kind of power in Hollywood. He sure did. He had a telethon for years. Oh, we used to watch that Jerry Lewis telethon. Oh, my gosh, because it was the only thing on. Oh, wasn't it the best? It was, was it Labor Day? Labor Day, Labor Day yeah. telethon, Jerry Lewis, and they'd oh. have all the big stars. Lola Charo. Farana, Charo. Mm. Uh, Kirk Douglas, yes. if you please. Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Remember when uh, Frank Sinatra, as a surprise, he brought Dean Martin out, and this first time Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis had seen each other in years and years since they their big breakup. No, I didn't yes. know about the big breakup. Oh, they were a comedy partners. Okay, in movies. Uh huh. And then they split, 
and it was not an amicable split. It was very acrimonious and they hadn't talked to seen each other in years and years and all of a sudden here comes frank sinatra surprise here's dean martin what what happened well it's just lovely it's on youtube you can see it i'm going to after we finish this horrible comic okay the monster disappears jerry falls to the ground and bob's your uncle (laughs) bob's my husband uh jerry says i'm gonna Whack your butt, Renfrew, with a hairbrush. And Renfrew says, ha, ha, where are you going to get a hairbrush out here? Enter witchcraft. Yes. She creates a hairbrush out of thin air, and Jerry gets to spanking. The and, end. And Renfrew actually deserved it. Yes. Really did. As we said earlier, Renfrew deserves every bad thing that happens. Have we seen any sort of comic where Jerry Lewis tries to go on a date with a girl and Renfrew mm-hmm. destroys the, you know, no, makes it because that would be fun to see. <laughs> Maybe next issue. Let's okay. keep our hopes up. Uh, as you recall, I really enjoyed the Bob Hope comic last week. I do not enjoy Jerry Lewis. Mm-mm. Comic this week. It's too much, Bob. It's, it's just a lot. it's it's got witches yeah. and brats yeah. and Nazi um, Nazi camp counselors. I mean, and Bob Hope it, has Super Hip and the Monster faculty of the high school, and it's not the same. It's, it's not. not the groovy kind of teenagery kind of thing. It's bizarre, right? It's just off the hook. And I mean, you know, I'm old enough to remember when these gentlemen were on television all the time, and Bob Hope was just kind of sophisticated and right. dry humor, and Jerry Lewis was just. Ah! He was a clown. He was a clown, yeah. Uh, Classically trained clown, of course. That's why the French love him, but... Yeah. I mean, I I actually liked watching Jerry Lewis uh, in movies. Okay. Yeah. You're the one. Yeah, I am the one. Yeah, I liked Herbie and the Love Bug. I know he wasn't in that movie, but that's the kind of humor that I enjoyed. Silliness. then I'll be watching that this weekend. You know, we have the whole series. Uh, I'll see you on Sunday when we leave... For Ohio. No, we can watch it in the car. Don't panic. Oh. <laughs> uh, happy Thanksgiving, listener. Yes. Don't fret. We'll be back next week following the holiday. Yes, we did this so that you would have this for your Thanksgiving yes. um, enjoyment. Let's share with your family over the dinner table. Mm. Uh, you can find us on social media. Uh, all the social medias. Twitter for the moment. For the moment. Facebook, Instagram. You can even find us on Mastodon. All of the above at GoGoCheckPod. What the hell's Mastodon? Oh, it's a new thing that's trying to take over from Twitter. I don't understand how any of it works. Okay. But I guess I'm going to have to learn if I want to keep in touch with our public. Mm. Anything else to add? No, I'm just very thankful for, for you. Well, gee. And for our little pets family. And for our dear friends and our family that we have. And our listener. Uh, You too, listener. All one of you. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Before you know it, have a great holiday. Yes. Bye. Bye. That is